0: Number
1: six. I remember during that period, Robert was—he was sort of sitting down, leaning against the wall, and he was just sort of writing. I'll never forget that image of him doing that. We do a run-through of it from beginning to end, with the uh, uh, guitar opening, as we all know, and then Robert comes up and starts to—he starts to pitch in and sing. And I tell you, he had—it must have been ninety percent of the lyrics were were already done.
0: Now you're going to hear jimmy page say the song continues to open up this is the path of the knuckleball changing positions in its path god bless the catcher and the and the batter this thing is moving in a way they have no idea where it's gonna go that's what jimmy page is designing here is a knuckleball song number seven
1: So everything is starting to open up on this map, on this journey through. And all of this stuff was planned. You know, it wasn't just an accident or everyone chipping in. It was just, it, it, it really was a, a sort of design.
0: It was his design to allow to be influenced by John Paul Jones, let's use a recorder, by Robert Plant, I'm going to write lyrics, Stairway to Heaven, that no one has any idea what this means. It just sounds great, but it makes the song, obviously. Now here, this next soundbite is fascinating. How come no one else pitches, throws the knuckleball? Because it violates all the rules of baseball, where you need to control and pick your spot as a pitcher to strike out the batter. You need to control the ball, whether it's a fastball, a slider, a curveball. Believe me, Oral Hershizer, Clayton Kershaw, these guys are the best ever, like Sandy Koufax, because they could pick a spot and put the ball there. Phil Negro had no clue where this ball was going to go. He's violating the rule of being a baseball pitcher. But Jimmy Page does the same thing. He's a studio musician, and he's taught don't speed up in the middle at the end of the song he violates the rule. And that's why this song is so different and so special. Number eight.
1: One of the cardinal rules when I was a studio musician was that you didn't speed up. And I was keen to do something which had an acceleration to it, not only from the musical point of view, but from the lyricist. So that the whole thing would start to gain a momentum as it went through. So it wasn't just a monotone piece. And by that, I actually mean that it would that that it would subtly speed up. So you're breaking the number one cardinal rule.
0: And coming up next, this next soundbite. Listen to when Jimmy Page uses the term "soar." He's talking about a song, for God's sake. Songs don't soar, but yes, they do. When you realize he's writing a path. He's writing the path of a free-spirited baseball that's gonna be influenced by the wind. That's where the song comes from. It's just a beautiful analogy to me. I just can't I just couldn't wait to do this show today because of marrying a baseball pitcher like Phil Negro with a songwriter of some of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time, Jimmy Page. But in many ways, they're the same guy. Number nine.
1: The concept of the solo was to have something like a sort of fanfare. So it's a definite transition. So it comes in with a, with a fanfare to introduce this solo. And the solo is just going to soar right through.
0: And I love when he finally says, says in his sound, last soundbite that the passion has unfolded. The knuckleball arrives in the catcher's mitt, if they're lucky. But the passion to take the path with all those different influences, the pitch has finally ended. Usually with the batter striking out. It's Jimmy Page on the pitcher mound. Number 10.
1: And by that point, it's really, it's, it's really motoring. It's not racing, but it, it's just the passion of it. has just, it's just unfolded on every respect of, of the, 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 the lyrical aspect of it. Robert was inspired.
0: Ah, so much fun. I wanna take you into the operating room. The clinic's open, the number is 877-710-ESPN. They took care of a young boy this week, 20 years old. He's a man who had another surgeon put stitches in his meniscus. He did a meniscus repair because he was so young. But the mistake that the surgeon had made was that you can't put stitches in the meniscus if the tear is in the wrong spot. What does that mean? the wrong spot. When do you trim the meniscus? When do you put stitches in it? When is it appropriate? You have to know the anatomy and understand the anatomy of an injury uniquely in the knee. I'll explain more with some Clapper Vision coming up next, and I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN, but I also want to talk about another knuckleball picture in art, and his name is Bob Dylan. We'll get into it. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.